Before I read God's word, let us pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's passage is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 12 to 9. Verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Well, a very good morning to all present here in, at church and to those of you joining us online. The Lord be with you. Now we resume our study of the first letter of Peter. And two Sundays ago, we finished at chapter 4, verse 11, uh, which ends with a doxology. And Peter wants all Christians to praise God through Jesus Christ because it is by Jesus' death and resurrection that we are brought to God. And God will give us the strength to serve him as we live out the gospel. And God is able to give us all the resources and all the strength we need, because all power belongs to him. And so a question may arise, if all power belongs to God, why does he not prevent his people from suffering? Why doesn't God do something about the unjust persecutions of Christians that are taking place in many parts of this world? Isn't God supposed to protect his children from harm? And so some Christians are surprised when bad things happen to them. And the people most likely to be surprised are those who embrace either one of two closely related false gospels because these false gospels lack a biblical theology of suffering. The first false gospel is the prosperity gospel. Now in its crudest form, the basic message of the prosperity gospel is that God wants you to be rich and God wants you to be healthy. And so if God wants you to be rich and healthy, there is no place for suffering in your life. And therefore, you will be surprised when bad things happen to you. 
Now, the second false gospel is termed moralistic therapeutic deism. Now, if you have not heard about moralistic therapeutic deism, um, let me see, where is the slide? Eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me explain briefly. Okay, um, in 2005, two sociologists, Christian Smith and Melinda Lundquist, uh, published a book to share the results of their survey on the religious beliefs of American teenagers. And their findings revealed that a good majority of teenagers believed in what Smith and Lundquist term moralistic therapeutic deism. Now, moralistic because God wants us to be good people. Therapeutic because God wants us to have good self-esteem and we want, God wants us to feel good about ourselves. Deism, God is, has a hand, hands-off policy. So he will not interfere in your life unless you call on him for help. So this is what moralistic therapeutic deism is. And sadly, it is not only common among teenagers, it is actually preached in one form or another in many churches. And it is the religion of many who call themselves Christians. So it is a very prevalent gospel. And indeed, we may call um, moralistic therapeutic deism the therapeutic gospel. Because the best basic message is that God wants you to be happy and God wants you to be fulfilled. And if God wants you to be fulfilled, you will be surprised when bad things happen to you. Now, of course, we know that both the prosperity gospel and the therapeutic gospel are false gospel. Uh, they misrepresent humanity's great need as material and as psychological. And they both misrepresent the true biblical gospel. You see, the true biblical gospel says that God wants his people, first and foremost, to be conformed to the image of his son. And the apostle Peter has been teaching us in his letter that the way to be conformed to the image of God's Son is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we will share in his sufferings. And therefore we can say that suffering is an integral part of the Christian life. Indeed, Christians can expect more troubles than other people. You see, we not only suffer the pain and afflictions that are common to all human beings because of the fall, but we also suffer on account of our faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so therefore, when bad things happen to us, we should not be surprised. That is why Peter tells us in verse uh, 12 of chapter 4, um, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you 
as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, Peter is repeating what he had said earlier in chapter 1, that Christians can expect to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these trials have come to prove the genuineness of our faith, much like gold that is refined by fire. And so now Peter is using fire as a metaphor to describe our trials. The sufferings we go through in life are like a fiery ordeal that tests our faith and tests our character. And you may recall a fiery ordeal you have been through. Or perhaps right now you are going through one. Perhaps misfortune is knocking on your door. Or maybe you are falling into hard times, really hard times. Or perhaps you are agonizing over a broken relationship. Or maybe you have been slandered, or you have been mocked, or vilified, or even persecuted for your faith. Now, whatever fiery ordeal you are experiencing, Peter says, don't be surprised. And Peter says, don't ask why is this bad thing happening to me. And don't wrongly think that something strange is happening to you, as if God has let you down, or God is angry with you, or God is punishing you. No, none of these is happening, Peter says. So you do not, you do not need to despair or be discouraged. Instead, Peter tells us, or tells us to be joyful. Look at verse 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So Peter is saying that the fiery ordeal that you and I endure, they are our participation in the sufferings of Christ. And therefore we can rejoice. Now it is strange of Peter to tell us to rejoice when we are afflicted. But Peter has good reasons. He says, because our suffering will bring us blessings in three ways. Firstly, our suffering, <clears throat> in our suffering, we will share in the glory of Christ. So we will be blessed when we share in the glory of Christ. So look again at verse 13. Okay, um, Peter says, But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, when Jesus comes again, his glory will be fully revealed, and we who have suffered for Jesus' sake will share in his glory. And that is why we can be overjoyed. And we will share in Jesus' glory in two ways. One, we will have his glorious resurrection body. I mean, just like Jesus was in, in his resurrection body was radiant, um, so we will have that same kind of body when Jesus is fully revealed. And as the Apostle, Paul, uh, as the Apostle John tells us in his first letter, when Christ appears, 
we shall be like him. In other words, we will be transformed into his image. So that is the first way that we share in Jesus' glory. And the second way we share in Jesus' glory is to reign with him. You see, when Jesus returns, he will be the Lord of lords and King of kings. And he will reign the whole universe for all eternity. And we will reign with him. Now, this may sound like a grandiose idea, but it is not. The Bible teaches it. And it is something that Jesus himself promises us. So, in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 3, Jesus says this, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit, on my, sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. You see, Jesus was victorious over his sufferings on the cross. And God raised him up and seated him at his right hand. And Jesus therefore exhorts us, he encourages us to be victorious over our afflictions, to be victorious over our sufferings and not give up, even to the point of death. Because God will raise us up too. And we will be given the privilege of reigning with Jesus on his throne. And you may ask, what does this reign with Jesus look like? Well, I cannot tell you exactly, but we can infer from Scripture. And just as Adam and Eve were given the mandate to rule over the created world on behalf of God, uh, I think we will, as the scripture says, we will also be given the mandate to rule on behalf of Christ over the new world that is to come. Now we know that Adam and Eve did a bad job of their mandate because of sin, but we will succeed because in the new world to come, sin will be no more and there will be only peace justice and righteousness. And to rule in such a world will be pure delight. And so that is the joy that we will have, the blessing that we will have. So brothers and sisters, you may be presently going through a rough patch, but be encouraged to persevere in your faith. Always remember that when we share in Christ's affliction, we will also share in his glory. So this is the first blessing that comes with our suffering. Now the second way <clears throat> we uh, will be blessed in our suffering is that we will have the sure presence of God. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. Yes. Now if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now we Christians are often insulted for our beliefs. Now outsiders may think that we are gullible to believe in miracles like the virgin birth and the resurrection. Now the atheist Richard Dawkins once mocked an Australian senator 
saying that his intelligence was less than that of an earthworm. Why? Because the senator is a Christian who believes in the God of the Bible. So you can see that Christians are being insulted, and insults are part of unjust uh, sufferings that Christians uh, have to bear in the name of Christ. And Peter says that we are not to take these uh, insults or slanders personally. Instead, we are to consider ourselves blessed. Why? Because when we suffer on account on the name of Christ, we know that the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. Now, the spirit of glory and of God refers to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms in us the glory that we will share with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit assures us that God is present with us in our suffering. And this assurance is very important for us because we are weak and we are often forgetful people. And so at the first sign of trouble, we will often forget that God is with us. And so when we are insulted, when we are slandered, when friends avoid us, it's going to hurt us and, and we may feel depressed. We may feel alone and discouraged. And we may be tempted to give up living for Christ. But Peter wants to remind us that in such times, we do not have to feel alone. We do not have to feel discouraged. For we have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is our great comforter. The Holy Spirit is our great companion. And He assures us of the presence of God. And you know that God is present with you because you will find the extra strength to continue living for Christ. And you know that that extra strength is not from yourself. You know that it is from God. And so your willingness to suffer rather than compromise your faith shows that the Holy Spirit is doing His sanctifying work in you. And the Holy Spirit is transforming you to be more and more like Christ. So remember, when you suffer all kinds of insults, and when you are persecuted or uh, suffering, you know that God will not abandon you. God is always in your life and is powerfully at work to sustain you and to preserve your faith. Now the third way we are blessed in our suffering is the privilege of glorifying God. When we suffer well for Jesus' sake, we honour God. But there is a kind of suffering that will not glorify God. So Peter tells us about this kind of suffering that brings shame to the, the gospel. He says in verse 15, um, 15 uh, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Now it's, it is obvious that followers of Jesus should not be guilty of bad and evil behavior like murder, theft, or sexual immorality. Uh, but commentators are not certain 
what bad behavior a meddler um, engages in. Uh, maybe it's mining people's business. Yeah, perhaps a meddler likes to mine people's business. Perhaps it is the inappropriate involvement in another person's affairs. So, for example, uh, Peter does not want a Christian in his day to keep criticizing the religious practice of his pagan neighbor because that kind of meddling would attract hostility against the Christian and such uh, suffering is uncalled for. And so likewise today, uh, Christians should not meddle in the private lives of unbelievers. For example, they, they should not use social media to keep attacking celebrities or other personalities for their sexual preference or their sexual identity. Because doing so uh, will only cause a backlash in hostility towards all Christians. And we should avoid attracting this kind of hostility because such suffering does not honor God. But the kind of suffering that brings glory to God is when we suffer as a Christian. So Peter tells us in verse 16, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So what does, uh, what does it mean to suffer as a Christian? Well, today there is increasing hostility towards Christian as a result of our stand against same-sex marriage and against gender transition. However, suffering as a Christian is more than suffering from our biblical view on marriage and on, sexual, uh, on sexuality. I think suffering as a Christian is suffering for the honor of God. Suffering as a Christian is suffering for the honor of God of the Bible, for who he is and what he has done for us in Christ. You see, I mean, many of you have been following the Winter Olympics and we know of many athletes who suffered long hours of rigorous training to win a medal for their country. And their victory will bring glory to their country. So in the same way, when we suffer as a Christian, it is because we want to glorify God. And the example of Job illustrates this best. We know the story of Job. He's a wealthy and successful man in the prime of his life. And he is a pious man, praying and worshipping God every day. But Satan comes along and makes the accusation that Job worships God because he is wealthy. Take away his assets, take away his children, and Job will curse God to his face. And so tragically, Job loses his children, he loses his wealth, and he also loses his health. Yet in all these calamities, Job remains godly. He does not curse God showing that his piety 
is genuine. And so Satan's accusation proves false. God is vindicated. God is glorified. Of course, Job doesn't know his suffering brought glory to God. But we readers know. And we are to follow Job's example of worshipping God in good times and in bad times. We are to love God for who He is, not for what we can get out of Him. And so as we live for Christ, our lifestyle, our belief may be offensive to other people. It may be offensive to society. And society may reject us. Our family and our friends may revile us. And the authority may prosecute us. Yet we will obey God rather than compromise our faith. You see, when we rather suffer for Christ than save our own skin, we glorify God and we are blessed. And we show that God is absolutely worthy of our love. God is absolutely worthy of our lives because of who he is and what he has done for us in Christ. Therefore, Peter does not want us to be ashamed of our suffering for Christ. He tells us that our suffering is part of the end-time judgment of God on all human beings. And so in verses 17 and 18, um, he reads... uh, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now what Peter is saying in these two verses is this. God will begin his end-time judgment with believers. And the believers' judgment consists of the trials that we suffer in this life. And these trials may be hard and may be trying. But because of our faith in Christ, our sufferings uh, will not end in our destruction, which is the destiny of those who refuse to believe in the gospel. Instead, our present suffering will end with a genuine and pure faith. And we need that genuine and that pure faith to be ready for the life in the new creation. And so in the light of this, Peter gives us three applications for our lives in verse 19. So verse 19 reads, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And so the first application is this. Our suffering is never random. It is always according to God's will. And if it is according to God's will, there is a purpose for our suffering. So our suffering 
is to purify our faith. It is to kill the sinful desires in us. And our suffering is to help us focus on the eternal and not on the temporal. And as the Apostle Paul says, our afflictions is achieving for us a glory that far outweighs our suffering. So that's the first application. The second application is this. In our suffering for Christ, we are to commit ourselves to our faithful God. God is always faithful. He will never abandon us. And so we are to keep trusting in the goodness of God, even when bad things happen to us. And to trust God is the wisest thing to do, especially when we are uh, facing hard times. You see, God is always in control of every situation. And so it is best to trust Him. We may not understand the situation we are in, but God does. And He will finally vindicate us. So it is best to put our trust, to keep trusting God when um, we are facing bad times. The third application is to continue to do good. Now, when we suffer, we are not to retreat into our shell and wallow in self-pity. And self-pity is the worst kind of thing that we can engage in because it will just cripple us and it will do us no good. So Peter says, forget about self-pity. You are not to, we are not to uh, wallow in self-pity. Instead, we are to go out, keep reaching out to people and do good to them including sharing the gospel with these people. And when we continue to do good, we point others to Christ Jesus, who did the greatest good in his suffering by reconciling sinners like you and me to God. That is the greatest good that Jesus has done for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that helps us understand the presence and purpose of trials and sufferings that you have allowed in our lives. May we always be mindful that your presence is with us even when we go through hard and difficult times. Help us to rejoice in our afflictions and to know that our earthly troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we look forward to Christ's return when his glory will be revealed and pain and suffering will then be no more.